I get the privilege to, this morning to continue with the theme that has been on this, the subject of generosity. And uh, today's message is about living, living open-handed, living generous, living in that way. God wants us to live that way. And just to go over a couple of things of, uh, that, that have been done over the last few weeks, I guess, just as a bit of a reminder, if we could, first slide, that um, Pastor Neil mentioned that the New Testament discusses money and possessions more than faith, prayer, and heaven and hell. This is a, this is a topic, this, this topic of money, which can make us uncomfortable. And if you're a visitor here this morning, we're not looking for you to give money. We're just challenging each other about being a generous person. And this isn't just money, is it? It's time, it's your talents, it's, it's a heart of generosity. And this is our God. He has a generous heart. We heard it mentioned this morning. He gave his only son. And a person impacted by the Holy Spirit is going to be a generous person. That's what he does. He just does that change in our life. And so often we're looking for the power to heal someone. We're looking for the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our life in signs and wonders, and that's definitely part that he is with us. But generosity, a heart that just wants to give, is the sign of the Holy Spirit moving in your heart. It's a sign that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a sign that you do walk in the Holy Spirit. And if you say, I really find generosity hard, your answer is the Holy Spirit. He's the one. And so the New Testament talks about it. So it is something we absolutely need to be talking about. And sometimes we can think, oh, churches don't really want to talk about giving or money or, 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 or investing yourself. But the reality is it's part of the, the scripture. It's a, such an important part of our life to the point that the scriptures talk about it more than even these other very important basic subjects. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we are created to bless including being fruitful, multiplying, and having dominion. This was mentioned from Genesis in the earlier messages. This is what God created us. He said, go, be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion. That requires resources. That requires being generous. That requires having those resources in your hand. So this isn't about lacking. It's about a flow of resources through you going out so that you can be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion in your life. Bring the kingdom of God to earth. This generosity is not about what I lose, it's actually about a flow of resources, a flow of blessing to people in their lives, a flow through me. It's making yourself available to receive it that it might flow through you. It's not about me lacking, it's actually about me having an abundance, it says, for my feed, for my needs and for others. That's what this message is about. That's what the kingdom of God in our life is all about. Pastor Neil mentioned three lies that, that we often have to battle with, particularly in religion. One, that I don't have enough to give. And absolutely, I've always believed no matter what I have, I have something to give. I just give something, give a portion. You, what you have in your hand is a seed and you need to decide how much am I going to eat and how much am I going to sow. That's our decision every day. And what I sow of my time, my time is a seed in my hand. I can just spend it all for myself or if I give it to others, I give it to the kingdom, it's going to return. My, my, my resources, my talents are a, a, a power, a seed in my hand, a seed. And inside a seed, there's an incredible power, isn't there? Inside a mustard seed, this tiny little seed, I got one in my office that was given to me by a student. I got one in my office. It's the tiniest little thing, but it grows into this massive tree, basically the size of the stage. It's the tiniest little thing. You can barely see it in this little jar that I have. And I pull it out every now and then, and it just reminds me, Peter, that's all you need. Sometimes the task looks huge, but that's just you only need that much faith towards this task, Peter, and it can blossom out to all that it needs to be. And so when we have something in our hand, time, resources, 
talents, skills, they are like a seed in our hand. What are you going to do? You're going to take that talent and spend it all on yourself, on your own enjoyment, on your own family, on meeting your own needs, on having an excess. You know, sometimes we live in a society that really keeps telling us you've got to have an excess. You've got to have more than you need. But we really need to question that. There are times when you save, absolutely, I, I, let, let's, let's be saving for a purpose, but sometimes we just want to save so we feel safe because we don't trust. And we want to save time for ourselves, we want to save resources, we want to save. We want to make sure there's enough for me, enough for me. But it's given to us to decide how much do I need to eat and how much do I need to sow. Talk very clearly to us in Corinthians. You don't have enough. That's actually a lie. Possessions and money are evil. That's almost been down through religion. I think hopefully we've moved on from that. All because a scripture mostly that says the love of money is the root of all evil. But that says the love of money. Yes, money has a power. And that power can do evil to you. That power can lead you down a wrong road. But money in itself is not evil. Money is just a resource. It's just a power. It's, it's something that we have in our, our life. We, we have dollars and cents. Once it was, what, sheep knuckles or it was pieces of gold or it was they traded. Value was given to different items, yes? Pig's tusks, elephant tusks. They carried value. Literal gold and silver carried value. But now it's money, these notes that we have, yes? Happy for me to rip up a piece of paper this size, but if I pull out a $100 bill, you'll be like, don't rip up that piece of paper. That piece of paper carries power with it that this piece of paper doesn't carry. It's just a piece of paper, but it carries power. And that power is love of that power, desiring that power for yourself, letting that power control you, that can bring evil. But itself, it is not evil. It's not evil in itself. And having money, definitely. Having possessions, definitely. But some of the mightiest men and women of God in the Bible were very well-resourced people. Abraham, Moses, yes, Esther was a queen. I mean, these people had resources. God didn't say, you're too rich for me to use you. He actually often called very wealthy men that he knew would take that wealth and use it for his kingdom. And the third one, Jesus preached a gospel of scarcity. He didn't. He did not preach a gospel of scarcity. He, he warned his disciples to be ready for times when they are scarce in the battle of the gospel. But he said, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. He actually said, you will get back a hundred times whatever you lose for the kingdom of God. Read that scripture. That was not about scarcity. That was about a one hundred times. There'll be times and there'll be struggles. There'll be times that the battle or whatever might ask you to, to sacrifice. But the end game was never scarcity. The end game was actually an abundance. That's his own words. He says to me, Peter, if you're going to get up and claim all your sacrifices for the kingdom, I'm 60 years old. I've been in ministry since I was in my late teens. If I'm going to get up and give you a whole list of all my sufferings, well, the truth is that's not what my, that shouldn't be my message. I should have a testimony of how God has returned to me so many times in my life because that's the purpose of it. He says, I will return to you. If, you. if you've sacrificed with your family, all the sacrifices you're made, expect a return. Up to a hundred times, hallelujah. So this is not a gospel of scarcity. Po poverty was not, is not something that we honour. Just a willingness, yes, of course, to sacrifice. And we honour those who walked a period of poverty or walked sacrifice for the gospel to move forward. But sacrifice in itself, poverty in itself has no honour about it in Jesus' message. Praise the Lord. The power of money for good and evil, I've just mentioned, that was talked about a lot last week. Mammon says, you are what you have. Mammon says you are. Money has a spirit over it. Jesus introduced us to this spirit of mammon, that there's a spirit hovering over money that wants to tell you how you handle money. 
And there's often a lot of value we put on money, and sometimes it's good we, we check ourselves. The value I put on money, the fear I have over money, what I'm about to say to my child or to my spouse about what we have to do with the money. Who's saying this? Is it mammon or is it Jesus? Who's saying this? Who's speaking this way? And so that's where we've got to recognise there is a spirit over it that wants money to control us. And I see it's been coming through in the studies and the emails coming through. Who's mastering who? Are you, is money mastering you or are you mastering your money? You're mastering your resources. You're mastering your time. You're mastering what God's given you to build the kingdom of God. Are you applying it to bring in and to build the kingdom of God? Either we are directing our money or our money is directing us. Who's directing who? Are we directing our money or is our money telling us what to do? So as we move into today's message, today's message, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, reads, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is what this is about. You know what God wants? He wants your heart. He wants your heart. He actually doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. But where your treasure is, these are Jesus' words, where your treasure is, your heart will follow. So often we think the treasure follows the heart. Isn't that interesting? As humans, where you place your treasure, your heart will follow. Your heart will follow your treasure. And so that's why he tells us, be good to your enemies, because it will change your heart. Love your enemies, be kind to your enemies, it will change your heart towards them. It will free you of what the, the bitterness, the anger, the things that they're put in your heart. If, you, if you've got an issue with something, give and it will change your attitude. And I found this exactly in my own life. And I've heard this message and thought, I don't have an issue with anyone. And the Lord's put someone in my mind and they may not even know. I've gone and even anonymously, anonymously been generous to them. And that sense towards them has left me. Because my heart now has been able to follow my generosity. And so my gift to them. So there's real power in the fact that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So that's why I guess money's talked about. Because what God actually wants is your heart. That's why it's so much in the scripture, the generosity of your time, your resources, your talents, because God wants your heart. And so he knows now that your heart hears these voices of your flesh. Your heart lives in this human body, this fallen humanity with all the things that's heard, all the things that's learned, all the ideas, all the concepts, all the voices of the spirit of mammon, all the, the beliefs of your parents, all the, the importance of money in your pocket and all the rest of it. The value you place on your money or your time or your education, your abilities for yourself to improve yourself. So many people work so hard to get that amount of money, get that level of education, have that time, even have that personal freedom in their life where they can do whatever they want. So I've got lots of time for myself and I see when they get there, there's an emptiness because there was supposed to be good and then they're not getting the praises they thought they'd get or others aren't valuing it or along the way they've lost so many relationships because that's all they've gone after. And they thought, I was trying to get the money for the kids and now they've all left me. Or I was trying to build a better life for my wife and now she's gone or my husband, now he's gone. Because we valued these things so much. We valued these things so much that that's where our heart was. Our heart is there. And God's, God knows that our humanity, our, our, our life down here on earth has all this pressure on it and it's all going after our heart. It all wants your heart to value it. Mate, we, we're getting told all the time what we should value. There's billboards, there's advertising, it's everywhere. It's coming at us now on social media. This is important. This is important. And what others are, other people's success, oh, I'm, maybe I should be more like this. All this pressing on our heart. And God knows, I want your heart. That's what God wants. Friend, tonight, that's what he wants from you. He wants your heart. 
Jesus wants you to give you, give you, give you to give him your heart. That's what he wants to receive from you. So this idea of all his teaching on resources and money is about him getting hold of our heart. Philippians 4.17, this is Paul speaking. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. The scriptures leading up to this, Paul is talking about their generosity and the, the needs of his that they have met and the time that he's asked them to give and get, in, get behind a project and how generous they've been in getting behind those projects. But he actually says, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek the fruit that will abound to your account. I seek the fruit that will come your way. Amen? I'm, I'm not requested that you give for my benefit, but it's for the fruit of giving that abounds to your benefit. He's saying, I want you to give because I know the benefit it will be to you. My father, the founder of this ministry, went through the Pacific Islands and taught, raised up a group of women under the name of Luke 8, we call it now, her hands, to be generous. These are women who live in tin houses, who are struggling to find their kids' school fees, who don't have a good medical, and they have to pay a lot if they want anything medically. They have every reason to store up for themselves. And they had very little. Some of their wages were very low. I go to their meetings and every week there's a testimony from a woman how her life has changed, her resources have changed, her marriage has changed, her husband has come back, her children are walking with the Lord. And she ties it down to her giving. And so the founder went to say to, this person, say to these poor people, the power to make a change in your circumstances is in your generosity, is in your sowing seeds to get a poor group to give. And so here are, here are people in the South Pacific raising money for widows and orphans in Africa and, and wanting to send that money that way and then getting behind these projects. They are so belief in the power. They have testimonies to the power of this giving. And so that's what Paul's saying to his people here. And that's our message as leaders of the church. Not that we seek the gift ourselves, but seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Seek the fruit that abounds to your account because I've experienced that in my own life, that as I've been generous, God has taken care of us. God has supplied for us over and over again. That's that scripture. 1 Corinthians 9 talks about, as I've mentioned before, you have seed for bread and seed for sowing. You've got to decide. It's like you've got wheat in your hand. How much am I going to make into bread and how much am I going to sow for the future? The farmer has to decide that. How much am I going to sell for my family and how much am I going to put back into the ground to sow for the future? And that's what the power of this is. And that 1 Corinthians 9 goes on and talks about what, what I like to call the power of giving. It talks about the fact that when you give, it brings glory to God and those who you give to pray for you. And I know that some of those changes in those ladies' lives throughout the South Pacific is the orphans they give to pray for them. And that's what Paul says. You give and those who are blessed from your giving pray for you and give glory to God for you. And as they pray for you, God even blesses you more. Who gets the best out of this, this child sponsorship program? The givers, not the children, because they pray for you then, more than you pray for them. You give financially, you give, you give to help them, they turn around and pray for you. God's blessing on your life. And he finishes that chapter, well, where they put the chapter, and says, praise God for his indescribable gift. The gift of generosity, he actually says, is an indescribable gift because it actually is the answer to our needs. It is the answer to what God wants, can, can do in our life. It opens the door for God to bless us and to flow and to help us. The power of giving, of the open hand, a principle that even started at Cain and Abel. It's right through the scriptures. And I, I, when I'm often in the islands, because again, I'm speaking to people that are really struggling, and I really try to encourage them that the power to get out of their, their lack is in actually their giving. 
It is in the giving. We, we run projects, we try to help them set up business, we try to give them opportunities, but sometimes I look at the need and it's just so great. And I think, Lord, how do we even help everyone? And he says, but if everyone gives, I can help everyone. If everyone will pick up this principle, Peter, it opens the doors of heaven. Malachi chapter 3, when you give, he goes, I can destroy the devourer. I can rebuke the devourer. I can protect your crops. I can look after you. I, it, it, it brings God into the physical. And this is the message that's right through the, the Old Testament. It started at Cain and Abel. Cain's offering was rejected because he didn't bring the first fruit. Abel brought the firstborn lamb. And God received the firstborn lamb, but he rejected Cain's offering. I don't know what that looked like. Fire from heaven? Something happened that said, and Cain knew his offering was rejected and he got upset. And God came and spoke to him and didn't even say you've committed a sin or you've done something wrong. He just said, you knew if you gave right, you would be received. But I couldn't receive your offering because it wasn't the offering I was looking for. Now be careful, Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. He hasn't sinned. He's not out of relationship with God, but he went on out of jealousy to kill his brother and he lost his relationship with God. But he was still in relationship. God wanted to come and talk to him again about his giving. It started with Cain and Abel. God was looking for the first. Right at the very first sacrifice we read about, God's looking for the first. We see it with Abraham. He goes and gives a 10% to the priests of Jerusalem. He has a big winning and he, he goes and gives him 10% of all that he won in the battle. He gives him a tithe before there's ever a law on tithing. There's been no law written on tithing. God comes to, the, comes to Egypt and he takes the firstborn of every animal and, and out of every family. Death comes and takes the firstborn for those who are not under the blood of the lamb. Why does he take the firstborn? Because he says, they all belong to me. I only came and took what belonged to me. Now, he, why, it's a terrible tragedy. This is after nine warnings, yes? This is because their stubborn Pharaoh will not let the children of Israel go as he should. He's refused. He's standing up the, against the almighty God. And God has given him nine terrible things that they all were able to recover from, yes? They were things that people could recover from. Horrible things, but all there, from all of them, there was a recovery. That's the grace of God. Nine warnings from which you can recover. But finally, he said, that's it. I'm coming to take what's mine. I'm coming to take the firstborn. And from then on, God brought in the, the concept of the first belongs to me, the firstborn of every animal, the first of every child. And, and there's a whole lot in the law about it. He's, it's, it comes into the law because it was before the law. This idea of, put, of giving, of recognising that what we have belongs to God. It's from the very beginning. The first, the first book, Genesis, and then we finish with Malachi, where God gives us his heart. He's not talking laws. He says, I feel robbed. I want to tell you how I feel. Sit down and say how you feel, God. God says, when you don't give me the first, I feel like you're robbing from me, and you, you tie my hands. I can't destroy the destroyer because you're putting your trust in something else. I, I, go to these, I go to the islands and I teach, and again, I'm speaking to people that are, that are in lack, and sometimes I, I find this very challenging to even say it. But I say to them, when you put your kids' school fees, when you put the power bill, they call it UNELCO, the power bill and the water bill comes from UNELCO. I said, when you put that before sitting with God and saying, God, what should I give? I'm not even saying how much it should be, but if you don't consult God, if you go pay all these things that you think you need, then you sit and talk to God. You're putting your trust in them. So when you're sick, don't call on God. Call on your Nelco. Ring the principal and tell him you've been diagnosed with cancer. Because that's where you put it. That's what God's saying. You've tied my hands. I can't protect you from the things of this world when you put your trust in the world first. And you don't put your trust in me with your time, your resources, and your talents. 
If you serve what your mum and dad are telling you with your talents and then say, then I'll give some to, some to God, well then mum and dad are your God. They're the ones to call on in your time of need. He says, you tie my hands. It's not that God doesn't want to move, but we tie his hands because we put our trust somewhere else. This is the power of giving, to, to invite God into our lives, to invite God into our circumstances. Now I'm talking human, yes? I'm not talking about our spirit or life after death or whether you go to heaven. It's my problem today. It's my challenge today. Right now, there's a challenge in my life, a financial challenge, a, a physical challenge. And God says, I want to get involved, but who are you trusting in this challenge? Who have you been looking to? Where have you been putting the first? That's why he promises. And he says, and it grieves me. I feel like you've robbed from me. You've, what, what have we robbed from him? We've robbed from him the chance to be the one who delivers us. We've robbed from him the power to be the one who comes and gets involved in that human circumstance. Yes, I'm talking human, yes? We're talking this life. This, this, this generosity, this giving, this giving of our time and our talents, it's about this life. And it's about getting God involved in this life. And it runs all the way through the scriptures. Generosity is God's character and heart. So it is the way of the Holy Spirit when he takes over. Brothers and sisters, this is God's heart. He's a generous God. In holiness, we talk about holiness. God sent his son, died on a cross, and he rose from the dead to make you like him, to make you holy, to bring you into his presence. It's a holy presence. And God's made you. You don't make yourself holy. You don't earn the right to come into his holy presence. Jesus has paved the way for everybody. Jesus has made a way for you to come into God's holy presence. And holy presence isn't not doing anything wrong. Holy presence is the power and presence of God. It's not doing everything right in everybody else's eyes. It's being like God. And God's invited us into his, his holy presence. And in his holy presence is this incredible generosity. This, we are now in the presence of generosity, as we are in the presence of healing, as we are in the presence of love, joy, peace, kindness. We're in the presence of this fruit. And one of those fruits is generosity, which we could call it the kindness or whatever of God. We're now in the presence of that incredible generosity. And this is what God wants to do in us. And this is a, the move of the Holy Spirit will bring this generosity. Acts chapter 2, verse 45. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The next passage is from Acts chapter 4, a couple of chapters later. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they all had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. This is what happened when the Holy Spirit came down. Oh yeah, people were healed. Yeah, there were signs and wonders. And everybody became generous like this. Nobody considered what he had to be his own. I'll be honest, that's an experience I had a long time ago. I've never felt like anything I have is my own. It all belongs to him. So I don't have trouble giving it away. I don't care how much I've gathered because it's not mine anyway. In fact, the more I have, the challenging is how much should I be giving of this? How much should I be keeping of this? And of course, there is a time for saving. There's time for having millions of dollars in a bank account in your name. Don't get me wrong. But in the end, it all belongs to him. In the end, it all belongs to him. And that's the, that's the story for Matthew 25. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like this. <clears throat> and I would suggest to you, this is all of us. He gave to one, a, a, a wealthy man went away and he gave to one servant one talent, to another servant two talents, to another servant three, a five. One, two, and five. According to their ability. God's given you resources, talents, 
according to your abilities, giving you time according to your ability. And he wants you to take this and extend his kingdom with it. I maintain that's the only reason you're here, and I always come back to this. I look across this congregation and I hear God say to me, these people are here for me. They're alive today for me. I've left them on earth for me. Because I tell you, friend, heaven is so much better. And if you get through the door and we're, and we're praying over you and you've probably gone through that door, you're probably saying, stop praying, I ain't coming back. Don't try to raise me up, I'm not coming back. It's just too good up here. I know we hang on to being down here, but when we get up there, I'm convinced we're all going to say, why the heck did we stay down there so long? Because all the things you're looking for in a house, in a good body, it's all up there waiting for you. Good relationships, no more hurt, no more disappointment. Whatever's troubling you today doesn't exist up there. And he's only left you here. Well, what good father would leave me down here with all these troubles? A father that has me on a mission. You're here on a mission. You're here. You have something to contribute to the kingdom of God. And part of that is living his kindness, his joy, his peace, his love, generosity. You're here to live out his generosity that people might have an encounter with God through you. That you might be a part of a team through which people have a counter of God. It's not on our own, yeah? We're all part of a body. That you might be part of a body through which people are having an encounter of God. That's why you and I are here. And that's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on us. He will change our hearts and he will make us generous. And so we've been given a one talent, a two talent or a five talents. Yes, we're like, we're like we've been, God's given us his resources. And Pastor Neil gave it as an example as like a financial planner. And if you have given your, your money into the hands of a financial planner and then you go to visit him and say, what's happening with my funds? He goes, I don't really know. I don't actually know. What, what do we do to your funds again? Can't really remember. You're thinking, what? I gave you my money to increase it. What did you do with it? How much do I have in the bank now? I'm not really sure. You know, we don't really worry about detail around here. We just kind of see how it goes. Well, that's, so that king came to, in the story, the leader comes to get an account and the, the five has doubled it to ten, the two has doubled it to four. And the one has done nothing with it. And so that's the concern. We, 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 have, we, we have been given these things for us to use for the kingdom of God. Your time. You might say, well, I don't have much money. You've got time. You might say, I don't, I'm not very skillful, but you've got time. Or maybe you've got the money and you, you feel you don't have the skills. I'm sorry, you've got something to contribute. Hand, eye, ear, nose. You bring something to the kingdom of God. And for, with what you bring, God wants us to be generous. And God made us to be generous. And I tell you, the Holy Spirit who lives within you, if He lives within you, He's an incredibly generous. He comes with generosity. He comes with, a, a, I guess, a spirit, a generous spirit, because He is the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of God. He's come to do that. He's come to work that. Time, talents, treasure. Um, we've talked about time in the kingdom, time with others, time with family, time to serve. What are we doing with our time? Our talents, our natural abilities, our skills, our education. Mate, in this country, I go to countries where there's just not an opportunity. If you don't get the pass mark, they kick you out at grade six. They kick you out at year eight. There is no opportunity for you to, to even improve. They just shut the door to you. In this country, we have such an opportunity. Some of us have had great opportunities. We've learned things, we have, we've had education. What are we doing with those skills? Those opportunities, the treasure, the finance, the possessions that we have. You know, in John 7, Jesus called us to be a river of living water. He called us to be a river of living water. That's what this generosity is. It's just a flow of the water. And Pastor Neil gave the example of it. We're not supposed to be a lake that just fills up. We're actually a river. We're a, it flows through us. This is the flow of the Holy Spirit through us. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Generosity is part of that flow. 
It just comes, it just flows. Friend, maybe you struggle with generosity. Maybe you just need to be honest and you do, you struggle. You do look at what you have and say, that's mine, how much will I give? The church is lucky that I gave. Those orphans are lucky that I give of myself. That friend I was kind to, I gave of mine. I would suggest you, Holy Spirit, say, well, it's actually all, all fathers. You're a steward. We're actually stewards of even this body, even this life. Your marriage, your children. Your children, you're a steward of them to hand them over to the kingdom of God. You're like a nanny, mum. You're a nanny of someone else's kids. They're the fathers. But we say, no, these kids are going to grow up and they're going to be doing so. I've got plans for them for me. Whew. I have a father in heaven who has plans for them. You want to tap into that. You want to let them go to that. You need, you need to free them to be part of that. We're, we are stewards in everything. We are simply a steward. Well, then where's my house? Jesus is making it for you. Where's my gold? He's waiting for you. Where's me? Where's my getting to do stuff? He says, I prepare a place for you. He's thinking, don't look down here. It's not down here. It's not going to last down here. Interest rates are going to kill it. An earthquake's going to flatten it. A cyclone's going to come through. I went through too. It's going to come and blow it away. Melbourne, we're shaking. Vanuatu, the cyclones are blowing. It's, it's not secure. It's what's secure is in the next life. What's secure is just around the corner. That's what's secure. That's where, the, that's where your house is. What about me? Well, he says, what about you? I've got it all for you. It's all there for us. That's the reality. Amen. As we said, Jesus said, love your enemy, generous to him, and it will free you from the bondage of unforgiveness. This, this, this getting you to give is actually about being better for you. God's not wanting you to lack. He's wanting you to be blessed. He's wanting you to be free. He's wanting you to walk in something more powerful. Final slide, not seeking your money today. We're not here seeking your money today, but that you might have an encounter with Jesus. That you might even through generosity have an encounter with Jesus. And that you might meet the one who will transform you. And he'll transform many things in your life, including making you a generous person. When you meet Jesus, he just makes you a generous person. I, I'm amazed by those testimonies of people that they just changed, where they didn't want, they didn't care for others. Their attitude towards others totally changes. Because now we take on this Spirit of God comes and fills us and we see as He sees and we become generous as Him. Again, we want the book of Acts. I'm the one saying, book of Acts is our model. Well, you know what happens in the book of Acts? An incredible spirit of generosity comes upon the people. And it's not because, oh, we have to because the pastor did a series on it. It's because the Holy Spirit has just changed me from the inside. It's a change by the Holy Spirit. And that's what I think all of us really need to seek in our hearts because we are under so much pressure, more now than ever, yeah? We keep getting told the price, the cost of living is going up, the interest rates are going up. You need to, you need to save. You need to this. You need to that. We are being told, hey, hey, Peter, get your eyes down here. You've got to look after yourself. The world is telling us this more today than probably five or six years ago, where we're told, oh, there's a great flow. Oh, okay, I can be a little free because it's just all flowing. Now we're being told it's tightening, so you suddenly want to tighten. That's actually the time to be generous and let the kingdom of God flow to you, through you, and out from you. We want you to encounter Jesus in generosity, his heart and his provision. But also, you know, we encounter him in healing. Brother and sister, he wants to heal you. To be saved, to encounter Jesus is to be healed. To encounter Jesus is to be delivered. To encounter Jesus is to know how to hear the voice of God. And if you're here this morning, you're listening to this message, we want you to meet Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to have an encounter with Jesus, to meet him, to invite him into your life to invite his salvation, his sa to, to be saved. You hear that phrase, to be saved. It's the, it's the Greek word sozo, and it means to be healed, to be delivered, to be restored, to be protected. 
He wants to do all of this in your life. And maybe you need one of those things here this morning. We invite you to take up that this morning. We invite you to take that up this morning. Maybe we just bow our heads.